started with this morning. I thank God. Somebody say that with me today. I thank God. Lord, as we unpack your word this morning, Lord, I know you've laid a word on my heart for this body today. And Lord, I pray that it'll find good soil, deep roots, and produce an amazing harvest for the glory of your name. God, anoint me to speak what you've given me to say today. Anoint your people to hear your word, and we'll praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, this morning, you may be seeing 9 o'clock. It's good to see you today in the house of the Lord. What a good-looking congregation that's here today to worship the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to the very beginning this morning, Genesis chapter 3. If you have the Version Bible app, you can follow along with the points in the Scriptures as always as we go this morning. As you came in, you found a little card on your seat that's talking about Fall Family Fun Day. Everything you need to know about it is on that card but I just want to emphasize to everybody, two weeks from today, everybody say November 7th, 10 o'clock a.m. This is one of our most favorite, and it's our biggest church-wide event of the year. We're all going to worship together. That's one of my favorite things about this day is we bring the whole church together at 10 o'clock outside on the five acres, and we're just going to spend the day together. We're together from about 10 to 2 and there's food and games and worship, and we're just going to have a great time together. This event, this is our fifth annual event of this, guys. That's, that's hard to believe now we've done this five times, but it gets better and bigger every year, and I cannot wait for it. And so pray with me that we'll have great weather, that we'll have cool weather, and, uh, and we'll see you on November 7th at 10 a.m. So before we get into it this morning, I, I owe... Uh, somebody an apology this morning because two weeks ago I stood right here and I spoke doubt over the Atlanta Braves and used them as an illustration as we were talking about doubt and I said that morning and, and I asked I asked you to say it so I'm blaming me not you I said I believe that the Atlanta Braves pitching will catch up with their hitting and they're going to make it to the World Series and we all said I doubt that but last night about midnight the Braves chopped their way into the World Series and some of y'all don't care and that's okay but those of us who stayed up till midnight and looked like we look today and sleepy and dragging hey it was worth it okay here's the thing though don't cheer any louder than you do for the Braves than you do for the Lord right all right all right I'm hearing you so go Braves, okay? All right, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have one of these ring doorbell cameras at your house or some type of security camera where you can see who's at your front door, okay? These are super cool. They're easy to install. Hey, I put mine in, and it works, okay? Didn't blow up the house, so that tells you it's easy to install. And you can see if friends and neighbors stop by. You can tell the 12 times a day that Amazon drops off a package, uh, you can see when your family comes home, you get alerts. Uh, and, hey, dads who have little girls, okay, or young ladies, you want to invest in one because when that boy brings your daughter home and leans in for that goodnight kiss, you can bring it up on your camera and say, <clears throat> step back there, son, step back there, son. Nothing to see here, okay? It, it, it's, it's really cool. And, and what's neat, too, with this is that it's been used to capture criminals, who've done some crazy stuff, and you can go on YouTube and actually get lost in a rabbit hole 
of videos uh, from ring camera ring cameras and and so I got in a rabbit hole this week in preparation for the message and I found a clip that's a perfect lead-in for where we're going today and this clip shows us a very unexpected and uninvited guest to a ring camera I want you to see if you can tell what this is watch this Oh, we all know what that is. Somebody say, not today, Satan. Oh, man, not in my house. That short little clip right there is a perfect intro to our new series that we're beginning today called When the Devil Comes Knocking. We're going to talk over the next few weeks about what we do when the devil comes knocking. Because I'm going to tell you, if a snake shows up at my house, that's the devil. And I'm going to prove it in the Bible here in just a minute, okay? But this, this message series that we're going to begin today, really, it's, a, it's almost a spinoff of where we landed last week. Because when we finished our series on Stuck last week, our last point, as we talked about depression and we talked about it being a darkness that destroys I was so proud of, of my wife, Tressa, as she shared a very personal story about her battle with depression. And in that story, one of the things that she said to us was that what kept her going and being able to see the light to get through that was when she acknowledged that there was an enemy. You remember that? That that's the first step to getting out of depression is us acknowledging that there is an enemy. And just like neighbors and friends and, and kids and boyfriends and Amazon and other unexpected guests will show up on your front porch knocking at your door. How many of you know that the devil comes knocking at the door of our hearts, our minds, our spirits sometimes? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says this, Be alert. Be of sober mind you have an enemy he identifies him he says your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour the new living translation says it like this stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil the, the, the father to the living translation the, uh, the new living the living bible said this be careful Watch out for the attacks of your great enemy, Satan. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. Let me give you one more. The message says this. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you asleep. Keep your guard up. So no matter the translation, 1 Peter 5.8 is telling us what Tressa told us last week. We must acknowledge that there is an enemy. Can I get an amen this morning? See, and acknowledging that there is an enemy is the first step in overcoming depression, as she said last week. But it is also the first step to overcoming sin and temptation and weariness and doubt and fear and anxiety. All those things that the enemy comes up with us against, we can overcome him with that first step of just acknowledging that it's just not us, it's him, right? And so we're not just going to acknowledge that over the next couple of weeks. We're going to unpack and see 
what are some of the things that the enemy does and what are his strategies and how do we respond when the devil comes knocking? So, as a rebellious young nun once sang in The Sound of Music, let's start at the very beginning. What was the next line? Sound of Music people, any of you here? The very good place to start. Okay, we're talking about who can solve a problem like Maria. Okay, all right. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And let's check out the first time that the devil came knocking. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will what? You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for himself. When the devil comes knocking, he comes in a variety of ways, but we're just going to talk about two today. Number one, when the devil comes knocking, first of all, he questions God's authority. Do you see that? With four words, the devil deposited enough doubt in Eve's heart to change the course of human history. Did God really say? The devil questioned God's authority. And y'all, here's the thing. His strategy has not changed since day one. He's very predictable. If the devil, when the devil comes knocking, he always questions God's authority. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Let's look at the definition of authority. The devil will question God's right to control. God's right to command and determine. The devil will question God's jurisdiction and his authority to, to control and lead your life, right? And this isn't anything new. It didn't just happen in the Old Testament. It happened in the New. Jesus gets on the scene and he begins to teach. And listen to the question that the religious leaders and chief priests asked him the last week of his life, right before he goes to the cross, Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and elders of the people came up to him and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Do you see that this morning? That the devil questions the authority of God and even questioned the authority of God in Jesus' life. So I want to ask you this morning, how many times, think about your own life, has the devil come to you and knocked on your door with those same four words? Did God really say, does the Bible really say, 
Did Jesus really say anybody? Anybody ever experienced that before? Because here's the thing. One of the things the devil will do in that questioning to all of us, he'll even get in our minds and, our, and trick our spirits. And one of, somebody said that the greatest deception of the devil is convincing so many people that he's not even real. So he'll say, am I even really real? Does the Bible even really say there's a devil? Because there's a lot of people, y'all, make no mistake, they believe in a God, but they don't believe in a devil. He'll come along and he'll say, did God really say your past is forgiven? Did God really say you're going to overcome that addiction? Did God really say your body is healed? Does the Bible really say that that thing is a sin? Let's try this one on. Did Jesus really say he's coming back for us? Anybody ever heard that one? Are y'all alive this morning? And here's the one that I think is the number one one of our culture today. Does the Bible really say that marriage is only between one man and one woman for life. Y'all, we have entire denominations who have changed their doctrine to believe something different than that because they've believed a lie of the enemy where the enemy has said, I question the authority of God, and God really didn't say that marriage is only between one man and one woman. Love is love. You can do it however you want to. Just do your own thing. Anybody else hearing this in our culture? And y'all, it's not just in... I might could see how the argument could even come up if it was one obscure verse packed away somewhere in the, in the bowels of the book of Ezekiel or somewhere that we don't read. But it is all over your Bible. People will say, Did Jesus, Jesus never said anything about marriage. That is hogwash, baloney, and garbage. Jesus confirmed the covenant of marriage as it appears in the beginning of Scripture. It's right there in the New Testament. Did God really say? So when the devil comes knocking, he will deposit with those four words, doubt in your mind. Did God really say? And he will get us to doubt the truth of God, the love of God, the power of God, and the authority of God. Anytime you hear in your spirit, did God really say, you can know that the devil is knocking at your door, okay? That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing we find all the way over in the New Testament. We just looked at Genesis chapter 3. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to jump into the middle of a familiar story, the baptism of Jesus. And watch this. As soon, verse 16, as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, which means landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Turn over to Matthew chapter 4, the very next chapter. The story continues. Then, somebody say then. Then, Jesus was led by who? The Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, 
If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Temptation number one. Then the devil took him to, a whole, to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He'll command His angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, It's also written, Do not put the Lord God to the test. Temptation number two. Verse Eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give to you, said, if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So Matthew chapter 3 had the very familiar story of Jesus' baptism. And we have a very significant moment in the life of Jesus as the Trinity shows up. One of only a few times in Scripture. God the Father speaks. God the Father downloads His authority to the Son and is confirmed by the Holy Spirit who shows up like a dove empowering Jesus to go complete the mission that God's called Him in. Very clearly at this point there is a passing of the torch. Jesus has been pointed out by John the Baptist. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Game on. Here we go. And the devil sees this and knows this. And from chapter 3 to chapter 4, immediately on the heels of that baptism, then, remember the word I asked you to say, then the devil, the, the, the Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Notice that the devil doesn't just come knocking at the door of Eve and your door and my door, but the devil came knocking at the door of Jesus. And that's why Jesus is the perfect example of what we read in Hebrews 14. I'm sorry, Hebrews 4.15. That he was in all ways tempted as we are yet was without sin. But I want you to notice how the devil begins his temptation of Jesus. You probably noticed it was in red. He said, if you are the son of God. First temptation, stone to bread. If you are the Son of God, second temptation, throw yourself down. And we hear in the second thing there, that the second way the devil comes against us, he doesn't just question God's authority, he questions your identity. He questioned Jesus' identity when he looked at him and he said, If you are the Son of God. Now, did God the Father just confirm this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased in the previous chapter. Forty days later, after 40 days and nights being tempted, here's the devil showing up and says, trying to put that doubt in Jesus' mind, and said, if you're really the son of God, trying to get Jesus to doubt his identity. Do you see that? And does he do the same thing with us? Anybody ever experienced the devil trying to get you to doubt your identity in Christ? That the devil doesn't just come along and, and point fingers at the scripture and get you to question the authority of God. He will get you to question your identity in Christ. The devil will show up and say, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't deal with those doubts. If you were really saved, you wouldn't have any fear. If you were really a child of God... You wouldn't deal with any temptation. If you were really a great parent, your kids wouldn't be acting a fool all the time. If you were really a new creation, 
you wouldn't battle the flesh. If you were really a Christian, if you were really a follower of Christ, you wouldn't be dealing with this sickness, this financial hardship, this trial. If you were really a good parent, a good husband, a good wife, a good boss, if you were really a good pastor, people would come to your church, fill it up, and they would never leave. If you were really a good preacher, they wouldn't fall asleep in the 9 o'clock service. If you were really called to lead that ministry, people would be just flocking to it. The devil comes and questions our identity. He did the exact same thing to Jesus. And he shouldn't surprise us because if he did it to Jesus, he does it to us. Amen? And it is what he does. The final book in your Bible, the book of Revelation, says this. It says that he is the accuser. Literally, the scripture says that the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. The scripture says that our enemy, the devil, stands before God 24-7 accusing us. No wonder we hear that in our spirit and our minds because he's always accusing us before God. So when the devil comes knocking, he's going to question God's authority and he's going to question your identity. Anybody else ever dealt with this before? Okay, so what do we do with this? Okay, so let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter told us, be alert, be of sober mind, your devil prowls around. We got that. And in verse 9, he tells us exactly what to do. Look at what he says. He says, resist him. Somebody say that with me. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same type of suffering. If you're a believer, you're fighting this battle. That's what Peter said. P Peter's kind of reminding us, kind of like Elijah last week. He got in the mully grubs and he said, I'm the only one left, God. Remember that? And God's like, no, pal, I got a whole bunch more who, who are on, on the team working. And you're not the only one today who's dealing with those doubts. Be encouraged. You're not the only Christian who's dealing with fear and anxiety and worry in today's life. You're not the only one who's doubting what it is that, that God may be doing. You're not the only one who's having questions. You're in good company. We all have an enemy who's after us. But he says we can overcome him when we resist him and we stand firm in the faith. So how do we deal with an enemy who comes against us and questions God's authority and questions our identity? I'm glad you asked. It's the same way we just, I don't have any big magical points right here. We're just going to flip the script on the devil, okay? So if the devil comes along and he questions God's authority, we resist him and stand firm when we affirm God's authority. We must affirm the authority of God. Now watch this. When Jesus was performing his ministry and his miracles, he was often questioned about his authority. We talked about that a minute ago. And listen what Jesus did when he was questioned, his authority was questioned. In John chapter 10, he's talking about being the good shepherd. And he says this about authority. No one takes my life from me. Oh, I love this verse. I lay it down by my own accord. I have what? To lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. And this command I receive from the Father based on His authority. You see that? Matthew 28, right before He goes to heaven, He hands the ball to the disciples and He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here's the ball, boys. It's yours. Go take it. 
I take the authority that God has given to me and I give that authority to you. Paul says in Colossians, for in Christ, somebody say in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That's what we just saw when Jesus was raised from the dead. All the fullness of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over, say this, every power and authority. So when the devil questions God's authority in your life, the best way to affirm God's authority is by speaking the word of God. Let me give you another definition, the word affirm, okay? So when I affirm God's authority is I state positively and I say to the devil, this word is true, this word is the real thing. I maintain and state and express that I agree with what God's word say, says. That is affirming the authority of God. And we all know this because I know who's in the room at Sunday morning on 9 o'clock, but let me just remind you. All three times Jesus was tempted, he replied with the word. Now remember, Satan in temptation number two, he even spoke the word to Jesus. Because Satan knows the word too and he'll twist the word. That's why we really need to know what we're, what we're reading. We really need to understand it. But every time that Jesus was tempted, he responded by quoting the word of God. And if you're going to speak the word, you've got to know the word. You must be around the word. You must consume the word. We live in a day of heightened temptation and we need more exposure to the word of God than ever before. And I believe that's why over the last year and a half, the Lord has led me as your pastor to lead you as this church family in, in more intentionality in our Bible reading. Have you noticed this? Last summer we, we started in the summer of 2020 with Fierce 40. We began our 21 days of prayer and fasting this year with adding, reading the word to it. We had a, a, a reading plan for Easter. We did Fast 40 again this summer. We've got another reading plan coming for the Christmas season this year. And when we start the 21 days of fasting and prayer at the beginning of 2022, we'll start with fasting, prayer, and the Word. Because if the Word's not in me, I can't get it out. I, if I'm going to fight this battle with the Word, the Word has got to be inside of me. And we affirm God's Word when we speak his word. What, what do we do when we're affirming the authority of God? It's understanding who God says he is in his word versus who the devil claims himself to be. Now watch this. How many of you, and, and so there, I don't, is anybody here a boxing fan anymore? Is there any, see, boxing fans, boxing is one of those sports that's kind of faded out. But most everybody here has probably heard of this right here, the tail of the tape. Anybody heard this term, the tail of the tape? And they still do this in boxing today. And this is one of the oldest tales of the tape I could find. It's from the 60s. It's Sonny Liston versus Cassius Clay before he was Muhammad Ali. And what does the tail of the tape tell us? It tells us their weight and their height and their reach and their fist and their biceps and their age. And it tells us before the fight happens on paper who might we expect to win the fight do you get that so let's talk a little bit about the tail of the tape between your father God the almighty one and the enemy the devil and I'm here's what I'm going to do for you this morning I'm just going to put the qualities of God on the screen 
because there ain't a whole lot to put up there about your enemy, the devil. Okay, watch this. Number one, God is omnipresent in all places at all times. Satan is not. God is omniscient, all-powerful. Satan is, say it with me, not. Hey, that's good. I heard the 90s. Not. Remember when we said that in the 90s? God is omniscient, all-knowing, all-seeing. Satan is not. God is the creator. Satan was created. Don't forget that. Don't forget who created Satan. God rules, reigns, and is sovereign over all things. The only power the devil has is the power God gives him to have. Read the book of Job. God is the God of light. The devil is the God, little g, of darkness. God works all things for our good. The devil works all things for our destruction. God is truth. The devil is the father of lies. Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave through his life, death, and resurrection, and presently is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, alive and well. Satan, your enemy, is a dead man walking. He lives on death row. His time is limited. And he exists right now on borrowed time. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody raise a hallelujah in here on that this morning. Amen. We resist the devil when we affirm God's authority and we say, No, sir, not today. You're not going to slither your hide around my camera today. Get out of my ear. Get out of my mind. You're not all these things that my God is. Amen? But here's the thing when it comes to this tale of the tape between God and the enemy. A lot of times we, we think about it like this. And I, I want to see if you think maybe this is true. Okay? How many Marvel movie universe fans do I have in here? Okay? Probably a lot of you. All right? And a lot of times, you know, we, we follow the, the superhero movies that, that have been for the last 12 or 13 years that all led up to this big, gigantic, epic blockbuster, probably the biggest, it's the biggest grossing film of all time in the history of film. And, and one of the greatest movies that if you're, a, if you're a superhero person, you probably say this is probably the best one of all time, the movie Endgame, okay? It's when all the superheroes fight all the bad guys. And a lot of times I think we think about Satan as Thanos. That's the big bad guy. If you don't know these movies, that's the big bad guy. And you, he looks like a bad guy, doesn't he? It's the biggest, baddest bad guy in the whole galaxy to this point. And this is how we think about this battle in our mind. We, we have to find some way in our, in our mentality to try to break it down so our minds can understand it. So we say, well, it's kind of like that last scene in Endgame. When you've got the devil, Thanos, bringing all of his armies and the only way that they could win, the only way that the good guys could win, next screen, is to get every good guy who had ever been in the history of good guys to all show up at the same time and then at the last second, barely, I am Iron Man. And Iron Man snaps his fingers and kills and defeats the enemy. That is not how this goes in the real spiritual world. 
See, we, time, we sometimes think in order for us to beat the devil, we need to open a bunch of portals and we need to get, at the end, we're going to have to get Moses and Abraham and David and, and, and Daniel and we got to get Samson and all of them. we got to get Jesus and all the disciples and we got to get Martin Luther and we got to get Billy Graham. And if they all come together at the same time, at the end, we'll all, we will all win the fight. But that is not how this thing works, y'all. Look at Revelation chapter 19. It is not going to be anything like that. As a matter of fact, there's really no reason to create a movie of this because it would be very short. You would eat five pieces of popcorn and it would be over. Because it's not going to be a fight. Revelation 19 says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. That's you and me. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean and coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God almighty and on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written king of kings and Lord of Lords. And you turn over to chapter 20 and it doesn't say there was this long, drawn out battle that it, that it just, at the last second. No, it simply says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had already been thrown and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I've read the back of the book and we win. Amen. That's an easy line to go for for a preacher, right? But it's true. We need to understand, I've been saying it for a while now, we do not fight for victory. Somebody say it with me. We fight from victory. The battle's already been won, y'all. So when the devil comes knocking, he questions God's authority, and the first way we can overcome that and turn that is we affirm God's authority. Now here's the second one. When the devil comes knocking, he... He questions our identity, so we just turn that around and we resist him and stand firm when we declare our identity. We need to start declaring who we are in Christ. Now remember Satan's tactic with Jesus. He said, if you are the Son of God. And when does he do this? Right after a very significant moment in the ministry of Jesus, the confirmation of his identity as the Son of God, Filled with the Holy Spirit, he questions his identity. And when the devil comes knocking and tries to get you to question your identity again, you need to know the word and you need to declare your identity in Christ. Now I want you to notice something right here. This is really good and the Lord showed me this this week. See, Jesus, when he was tempted those three times, he didn't just stand there quietly. He didn't just resist and say, he'll go away if I just don't say anything. And that's how we do sometimes when we're battling the devil. I'm just not going to face it. I'm going to put it on the shelf. Jesus spoke the word that needed to be spoken for the specific thing that he was being brought up against in those moments. Now follow me with this, okay? How many of you had parents who said to you, don't talk back to me? 
How many of you ever said that to your kids or grandkids? Don't talk back. Okay? If you don't ever say that to your kids, you better start because they're going to live talking back. My mom and dad used to say it like this. You talk back, I'm going to jack your jaws. Anybody got your jaws jacked in South Georgia? We did in Eastern North Carolina growing up. I, my ears rattled a few times when I talked back to my mom and dad. I learned how not to talk back. I learned how to respect what? Authority. Okay, y'all are tracking with me, okay? So my mom or dad says, don't talk back to me. And why do they have the, re why do they have the, the, the ability to be able to do that? Because they have been given the God-given authority over me. Teachers in the room, you have the authority in your classroom, just barely now, uh, right, but from what I hear, but to say, I am in charge in this room, do not talk back, okay? Now, here's the thing. I'm going to get any grill this morning. Some of you, you, will, you won't let your wife or your husband talk back to you. No, you don't want to talk to me like that. I, she said that to me before. I am not one of the children. You don't talk to me like that. Every husband in the room has heard that one, right? Okay, right? We're all guilty. And we've had those moments where we've had to say, uh-uh, don't, don't talk to me like that. I know you've had a long day. Whoa, 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 uh-uh, we're, we're on the same team here. We've all been there, right? We won't let our husband or wife talk to us like that. We won't let our children talk, like, talk back to us. We won't let our employees, if we're an employer, talk back to us. But my goodness, we will let the devil run roughshod over us and talk back to us constantly. And we stand there timidly with our arms behind our back. I just hope he goes away. How did Jesus defeat the enemy? He spoke back to him. And some of you need to start speaking back to your enemy. Audibly, heck yes. With a song like we just sang, any of those this morning, yes. With the word of God, yes. Don't allow the enemy of your soul. You say, you can't talk to me like that. Well, pastor, I don't have that kind of authority. Yes, you do. You have authority through the blood of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You are not who you used to be. And by the authority, and it, that's why we say, y'all, in the name of Jesus, shut up and take a hike. I can say that based on the authority of God's Word. And some of us need to quit getting kicked in the teeth, and we need to open up our mouth and declare who God has said we are in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen this morning. I want to share with you this morning. I, I, I found this sheet. It's in an old filing cabinet that I have over at the office. I've had this, this paper for about 30 years, and I remembered to bring it out this week. And it's a little bit long, but, but it's worth it, okay? And I'm going to give you a lot. And if you're taking notes this morning, you're going to be like, I can never write all that down. But all of this, a lot of you, you're going to want it. Go to the YouVersion Bible app. Go to more, find events, and you'll find this list. Here is a Christian's identity in Christ. What are we saying this morning? That when the devil comes knocking... He questions our identity. The way we defeat him is we resist him, we stand firm, and we declare with our mouths who we are in Christ. You ready? Watch this. Matthew chapter 5. I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. John 1. I am a child of God, born of God. John 15. I am Christ's friend. John 17. I am loved. Romans 6. I am crucified buried and risen with Christ. Romans 8 says multiple, I am free forever from condemnation. 
I am adopted into God's family. I am an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror through him. 1 Corinthians 1, I am sanctified. 1 Corinthians 2, I am a possessor of the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, I am God's temple and God's spirit lives in me. These are the things we say back to the enemy. Come on. 1 Corinthians 6, I am united with the Lord, one with him in spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, I am bought with a price. I belong to God. 1 Corinthians 12, I am a member of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 15, I am victorious in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 has multiple ones. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. I am reconciled to God. I am an ambassador to God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6, I am God's fellow worker. Galatians 2, I'm justified by faith in Christ. Galatians 2, I'm sanctified with Christ. Ephesians 1, here we go. I'm a saint. I'm one chosen in Christ. I'm adopted by God. I'm accepted into the beloved. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You want some more? Ephesians 2, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly realms. I'm God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Philippians 3, I am a citizen of heaven. Colossians 1, I am one redeemed and forgiven of all. Somebody say all. All my sin. Colossians 2, I am one who's complete in Christ. I am one who is alive in Christ. Hebrews 7, I am saved to the uttermost. 1 Peter 2, I'm a member of the royal priesthood, a holy nation. 1 Peter 2, I am one belonging to God, part of his chosen people. And 2 Peter 1, I am a partaker of the divine nature. Why don't you give him praise this morning so I can catch my breath? There's a song we sing around here. We get to the bridge. And hey, if you can't remember anything else, you remember the bridge of the song, God is so good. When the enemy starts speaking to you, you start singing, I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I am whole. I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. If you can't remember that song, you start singing a line from the Father's house. You say failure won't define me because that's what my father does. Oh, my father's the one who defines me, John. And what did we sing this morning? We sang, I am not defined by who I was. I am defined, oh, are y'all going to help me this morning? By whose I am. I am not defined by what I've done. I am defined by the blood of the lamb. I am who he says I am. I will be all he says I will be. He is his authority. His identity. He is the awesome I am, and He loves me more than anything. Oh, hallelujah. I stayed up till midnight. Y'all better have more energy than me now. Come on. I'm not defined by what man sees. We sang it a while ago. He sees my heart and lives in me. Get on out of here, devil. There's already somebody living here. I was created by his hands. I was created by this romance. I'm going to tell you what. Hey, hey, it gets better. I love this quote from my old buddy Carmen from the 90s. Carmen used to say this. The next time the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Oh, that's good preaching right there. Somebody give the Lord praise this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give me some background music back there, guys. We're going to bring this to a close. 
When the devil comes knocking, number one, he questions God's authority. And the way we overcome that is we affirm God's authority. When the devil comes knocking, he questions our identity. And we've got to learn to speak up. Some of you, this is the key to overcoming the devil in your life. You've got to learn how to speak up and speak out. You've got to stop being quiet. You've got to stop letting you. Jesus didn't die on that cross for you to get your head kicked in every day. Amen? You need to speak up and declare your identity in Christ. Can I get some water? Will y'all give me a, a minute? Whew. I'm getting tired. That's some heavy preaching. Last Saturday, Trust and I were at the uh, Ogeechee Seafood Festival over in Richmond Hill. Our oldest son, Trent, is a youth pastor at New Life Church of God over there, and they were doing a fundraiser over at the Seafood Festival, and they, they were selling barbecue sandwiches, and there's a lot of different groups there selling stuff, and we got there. I'd never been to it. Some of y'all probably been to that before. It's been around for years, and um, at a big park over there in Richmond Hill, and we get there, and there's tons of vendors there. There's a midway out there with all the carnival games and stuff, like it's been at the fair this week here in Effingham. Tons of people out there. So music's playing. they got live bands coming. It's a very lively atmosphere. Okay, you're there with me, right? All right? So we're walking around, and Jaden, our, our middle, our, our daughter, was, was home with us, home for, for fall break, and she had a friend with her. And we were walking through the rides, and they were going to ride some rides. And, and Trust and I are way too old and way too wise to ride those fair rides because I, I want to live to see another day. And, uh, and we're walking around, and I get a phone call, and I, and I look at my phone, and caller ID says it's from Georgia Power. And my first thought was, okay, Georgia Power's calling me because sometimes they'll do this to tell me that the power's off at the church, and it'll be on at a certain amount of time, or maybe it's off at the house, and it'll be on at a certain amount of time. So I answer the call, and I better get this. And there's a person on the other line, kind of surprised by that, and they tell me that uh, I've not paid my bill. And that uh, if I don't pay my bill in the next 30 to 45 minutes, they're going to cut my power off. And I'm thinking, I, I always pay my bill. I don't miss my, my Georgia Power bill. And he tells me the amount, and I'm like, well, that sounds sounds right there where my last bill was, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I paid that a few weeks ago. <clears throat> and, and we begin to have this conversation, and, and now get where I was again. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of noise. There's kids running everywhere. There's, there's music. I mean, it's, it's a wide open atmosphere. I'm, I cannot take five steps over to my computer and get on it and, and in a second pull it up and be like, no, I paid it. So I'm getting a little panicky because in my mind I'm thinking, my power's about to be cut off. What am I going to do with the rest of the day? And da, 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 da. You know, my mind goes to that. And he, and he asked me a question. He says, well, where's your, uh, what's your address? And in the middle of all those things that are going on, I'm not thinking, this guy called me. You should, you looking at my bill. You should know my address. So I tell him my address. And he said, okay, well, we can take care of this right now. I said, well, look, why can't I just get on my phone? So I, I try to get him over to speaker so I can get to Google, so I can get to Georgia Power, so I can log in and check on my phone. And I'm like, why can't I pay on my phone right now and get it taken care of? And then um, and, 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 and it'll show me. I know how payments work. They show up immediately now, right? No, no, you can't do that, sir. Uh, it's going to take two to three days to show up. And, and I'm thinking something's not right. Okay, you with me? 
So in the middle of getting over to Google, I, did, I get disconnected with it. And, I'm, and I, again, there's a lot going on. I'm getting a little panicky. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And then Tressa's phone goes off. Georgia Power. But then I'm thinking, oh, wow, this, this is real. We're getting, now they're tracking down her. And I said, don't answer it. I'll get, I'll get back with him. And as I'm trying to pull it up, he calls back again. Sorry, sir, we got disconnected. Um, and I asked him, I said, um, how do I know that this is not a scam? That you're not just trying to get money from me. And he said something like, well, I've not asked you for any bank information or numbers yet. And I said, but you were about to. I said, hang on. I put him on speaker. I get over to Google, and I get to opening things up. And as I'm opening it up, I see that call disappear. He hangs up. And when I get into my account, I see three words. September 24th, 2021, paid in you may not be able to remember that list of 18,000 scriptures I just gave you about your identity in Christ in the moment. But can I give you three words today that you can say when the enemy of your soul starts knocking on your door? Just say, say it with me, paid in full. It's done. My God loves me so much. Your God loves you so much that he left the throne of heaven in the form of his son Jesus to give his life for you and me that he may buy us back while we were yet sinners. In our doubt, in our fear, in all of our junk, stuck as we've been in the last six weeks, whatever. And the enemy of your soul is going to knock on that door. If you can't remember anything to say, just say, paid in full the great reformer Martin Luther was asked the question Martin what do you do when the devil comes knocking on your door and Martin Luther said well when he comes knocking upon the door of my heart and asks who lives here the dear Lord Jesus goes to the door and says Martin Luther used to live here but he's moved out. Now I live here. And the devil, seeing the nail prints in his hands and the pierced side, takes flight immediately. That's you and I. No matter how messed up you think you might be, when you ask Jesus to come into your, in your life, when the devil comes knocking at your door, just send Jesus to get the door. Is that a good word today? Amen. Amen. I want the worship team to come in. I want you to stand. And as you stand this morning, we're going to close this service today. And we're going to affirm what we've heard today. And we're going to resist the devil. We're going to stand firm in the faith together today. And we're going to believe by faith that the devil is going to flee. I want everybody that will to join me down front this morning. Will you come? Come on, all over the house. we got about five more minutes. 
And I want us to close big this morning all over the house. Come on up as close as you can. we got a great crowd here for this first service today. And if you guys will just go ahead and begin to play this song. We're going to ease into a song this morning that, that we've sang around here a lot over the last year, year and a half or so that I think is the perfect song that speaks to the very things that we've been talking about today. How many of you this morning will just wave at me, nod at me and say, Pastor, I needed this word today. This was for me. The devil's been knocking. I needed this word today. Okay, that should be everybody because I needed to preach this word for me today, y'all. Okay, we're going to sing this song today. And that's why I had us all come down because we all need to be down here for this today. And you're going to know this song and I want you to declare and speak this song over your life today. That in His Word, we have authority today. Come on, let's sing it today. Creation. Creation knows the voice That's spoken to the void The breath that brought the dust to And sang the stars to form. The darkness fears your voice. The drove it back before. And though the night is long. Come on, church, declare it today. Come on, let's declare this over our lives today, our fight. My fight is not my own. It's in, it's in your hands. I worship you because I know all things must bow to your right now we pray together as a church family today God and we ask you Lord to through the power of your Holy Spirit to empower us in our battles that we will remember God what we've heard today to affirm the authority and the position of who you are our good gracious awesome 
mighty, eternal, and everlasting God. God, give us the boldness to declare in the name of Jesus, paid in full. Give us the boldness in the name of Jesus to declare who we are in you. That this fight is not our own. This is your battle. And God, that when the enemy comes against us, your word says you would raise up a standard against the enemy. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would free your people up. That when the enemy comes knocking, they would send you, Jesus, and your word to go answer the door. In the name of Jesus, we declare that and we believe that right now. Will heaven not prevail? Come on, say it. And strongholds not be moved. Will spirits not be silent? And power at his role. For if my God is for me, then what am I to fear? Then I will not deny him the glory that is his. Will heaven not prevail? And strongholds not be moved? Will spirits not be Silence and cower at his role. For if my God is for me, then what have I to fear? Then I will not deny him the glory that is his. Oh, come on, declare this over your life. Heaven will prevail, oh, yeah. and strongholds will be moved, spirits will be silenced. Every home, every doubt, every fear, in the name of Jesus, by your authority, in the name of Jesus. Things change on your authority. Somebody say, dear Lord, I receive that word. Remind me this week, may I walk in victory, may I walk in freedom, and may I speak the truth to the enemy at my door. In Jesus' name. Somebody give Him praise today. Hallelujah. 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 God, we praise You today. We are victorious in You. And we thank You, Lord, for all that You've done in this house today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Being in worship today, we hope to see you back here Wednesday night for Family Ministries Night. Have a great afternoon. God bless you.